0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday, where my guest will be Tirlach Malik from Apple Productions NRE TV Film Club. We will be discussing an Indian... Immigrant success story. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Dina Elardo from Notary Public Central. We will be discussing the misuse of the Notary Public Office and fraudulent documents. Please remember, the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Dina, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Bruce.
1: It's a pleasure to have you as a guest and why don't we begin by your telling us about yourself and your company.
0: Sure. Okay. So, uh, basically, my name is Dina Ilardo. Um I have started my business about 18 years ago, and we provide um, notary public training, support, supplies, and expert witness services uh, for the general public, private sector companies, government agencies. Uh, I have two twin girls who just went off to college this year, and uh, that's pretty much it. I'm very busy wearing all hats and running the business.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Now, mm-hmm. tell us, what is a notary?
0: Basically, a notary is a person that's appointed by the Secretary of State, and we administer oaths and affirmations, basically swearing people into certain statements or documents, or just swear people into office, like, for example, the new president, we could swear them in. Um We take acknowledgments. We're really identifying individuals who are appearing before us to make sure they are the person who are appearing before us to the best of our ability. Um, And we must act as like an impartial witness to the execution of instruments so that these documents now could be used in a court of law or be filed with specific agencies around either our own state or out of state. Now, how in...
1: uh New York State Does someone become a notary
0: Basically they just need to take an exam The exams are given every Wednesday By the Department of State it's Located uh, locally at 123 William Street on the second floor Of that building at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Every single Wednesday As long as the Wednesday doesn't fall on a holiday And they don't need to, even need to Pre-sign or register for it They just show up about 15 minutes early With their identification Two number two pencils and 15 dollars take that test and they get their results in about one week and then they just file an application with the Department of State and it takes approximately 30 days to get their license in the mail, which is good for four years and then every four years it's just continually renewable.
1: Not trying to make a joke, not trying to be disrespectful. It sounds Mm -hmm. like the DMV. (laughs) Generally. But you know, I'm comparing this to New Jersey. Now, years ago, this was the 1990s, all I had to do to become a notary, if I remember correctly, we asked a city council member who was um, involved with our organization. He wrote to the local state assembly member asking him to send me the form. The assembly member who didn't know me from a hole in the ground, signed off that I was of good character, and then all I did was fill out the form, pay fees, took the oath, and that was it. Yep,
0: that's, New that's York, basically how it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but New York is different. I mean, the the test is not... There are people who go to school mm-hmm. to be able to pass the test. It's not that simple.
0: Yes, yeah, Correct. Um, in New Jersey, uh, that is the procedure. Every state is different um, and in new jersey you 're right that all you have to do is be sponsored by a local public official or legislator, and there are code laws that you need to follow so you would get a book with that and it's pretty similar in terms of what you're allowed to do in New Jersey and what you're allowed to do in New York. <clears throat> but in new york it 's a lot more precise. there is an examination it's given. Uh, 40 questions, multiple choice, but they're very difficult. They're not easy. Um, and basically, the responsibility, though, with respect to, you know, notarizing is is the same as it is New Jersey and New York. <clears throat> um, you would be looking for things, though, in New York, when you're looking at documents, you would look. You're identif- Basically, you're identifying. It, it all boils down to you're identifying individuals who appear before you to the best of your ability. Um, but there are things that you want to look for when you're notarizing for them on the document, even though you're not responsible for it. There are things that you want to look for as a conscientious notary, which is like if there's any blank lines, um, that the language of the document is written in a language that you can understand, that things are not pre-filled in, that would be something where the notary was supposed to fill it in, but the customer does it because they just wasn't sure, so you have to, like, review it make sure that everything is correct.
1: Okay, well, one question, we'll get back to that, but uh, how often can you take the test if you fail?
0: Oh, sure. You can take it um, the following week and or you could actually take two exams in one day. So if you wanted to sit in for the 930 exam and then again at the 11 exam, because maybe you don't think you passed the 930 exam, as long as you get a passing result on one of them, you can become a notary. Um, if you failed both exams and you wait the following week and you could take it again, there's no uh, time constraint or limitations or anything like that.
1: Okay, so thank you for that. We're just curious. Mm-hmm. Now let's get back to the function of the um, notary. Mm-hmm. And you already partially answered the question. Mm-hmm. I am reminded of the time when a woman came to our offices. This was when I was working for a nonprofit social service agency. Mm -hmm. We had a will and trust for her to sign. She was Mm -hmm. literally dying of liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And she came in and I asked her if she wanted me to read the will to her. She said no. The trust, no. She said she trusted us. And all I had to do was confirm that she was who she said she was she mm-hmm. signed off uh, all the documents where I told her to sign, and then I signed and used the stamps. Mm-hmm. And the only thing she was interested in was the, um, I forget what it's called, you'll know, the the metal stamp. Oh, the The seal, uh, puncher, yeah. the seal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it had a special name for that type of stamp, but the seal. And mm-hmm. that's all she cared about. Now, the mm-hmm. woman was dying, and she actually passed away a week later. Mm-hmm. But my entire responsibility was just to confirm that she was who she said she was and that mm-hmm. who she said she was was the person who was supposed to be signing the document. Correct. But it sounds like in New York you have to read the document, but you're not a trained attorney so you can't attest to... What exactly can you attest to?
0: Okay, yes. Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, yeah, in New York um, We are reviewing the document just to make sure that, like I said, everything is completely filled and it's in the English language or a language that we at least understand. Because in New York, you cannot file a document that's not written in the English language. Um, But if they're out, sometimes you get out-of-state documents and they come in a different language. As long as you're like a bilingual notary or such, you can perform that act. However, for wills in New York State, that's something that's actually something we're not allowed to do. So. basically an attorney an estate attorney would be responsible to review the will to read the will back to the um, testator and there must be two independent witnesses present at the time the will is read just to make sure the person is of sound mind and body then the attorney will sign the client will sign and the witnesses will sign and then it subsequently will get notarized generally by the attorney um but yeah the Your question is what our responsibility is, right, with respect to certain things. It's just a a real quick perusal of the document. But most importantly, physical appearance is always required. So the actual document signer must be in your presence at the time you're notarizing. And you're kind of gauging whether or not they're of sound mind and body as well.
1: I only had that happen once when somebody Mm -hmm. came in and they'd already signed the document.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I had a huge problem because technically that was not okay mm-hmm. but I knew them mm-hmm. and I knew their signature right. so they were telling me that yeah, I signed it so I figured, okay, fine but uh-huh. when it happened with somebody who I didn't know then I just refused outright and mm-hmm. it was funny they were always they feigned being surprised and mm-hmm. um uh, you know, they, they were outraged. They'd yell, scream, and no uh-huh. way, because obviously they were not the person. But right. the uh, it, it was a, it was actually a nonprofit I was working for. It was one of my major donors, and I knew exactly what happened. He got carried away with filling out the form and just signed it and didn't realize. So yeah. um, I had enough checks with his signature on it. I wasn't worried.
0: Right. But anyway,
1: <laughs> our talk In New
0: York. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, Go I was just no, going to no, no, give no you... Some insight for New York, um, there are two types of forms that notaries notarize. One is an affidavit, which must be signed in the presence of the notary, and the other is an acknowledgment. Acknowledgements could have been pre-signed as long as physical appearance transpires at the time of notarization. So on the affidavit, if something were to happen like that where a client came in with it already signed where it needs to be signed in front of me, what I'd usually have them do um, is just have them sign it again in my presence, and then I'd write underneath the second signature, this one was signed in the notary's presence, you know, if it's someone I didn't know. And technically in New York, if you've known someone for several years, then, you know, what you did should be fine. I mean, you don't technically have to look at their identification. As long as you know they're an upstanding citizen, there would be no reason why they'd have their, um, like, the expiration on their identification would have been expired and they couldn't renew for some reason. So that is allowable.
1: And just in case the New Jersey authorities are listening in and are sending the um the marshals to arrest me,
0: this no. donor was
1: an attorney and he said it was okay. Uh, so yeah. um, <laughs> the, it, it, it would be on him if I remembered his name. But like I said, I'm sure the um what do you call it? The um um Oh gee, I'm I'm losing it. Oh um, like
0: the Department the, of State.
1: No, 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 no. The oh. um the time for to be prosecuted for for a crime <laughs> has has expired
0: yeah uh, no, you don't
1: have I'm to pro- or you
0: are allowed <laughs> to refuse, and that would be a good right of refusal anyway, but no, what you did should have been fine <laughs> yeah
1: now, our topic is um that's going to drive me crazy until I remember the term, but anyways, our topic is the misuse of the notary public office in fraudulent documents, so I'm assuming mis well no, I shouldn't make assumptions. What do you mean by misuse, and what are fraudulent documents?
0: Okay, so basically sometimes a notary public, um, because there is no, nothing tied to it, like, for example, if an attorney wanted to become a notary, once they've passed that grueling New York State bar exam, all they have to do is apply to become a notary. They don't need to take an examination in addition. But they have things at stake where if they did anything fraudulent with their notary public office, like allowing someone to sign when they know it's not the person and things like that, they would stand to lose their, their license. Whereas a notary, you know, it's, it costs them $60 um, and an hour of their time and another 15 for the exam. So there are some people out there who gain a notary public office just to do bad things with it. Okay. Or not, not, not following the laws correctly, I should say. Um, and basically what I've come across over time here, and especially most recently, are things where I've been asked to be an expert witness or give my expert opinion in an affidavit regarding situations of things that have happened to people. Um, if you'd like, I can give you some examples without using any names. Please. Okay. So, for example, uh, these are most three of the most recent cases I've just come across where a husband files for divorce, right? They uh, jointly owned property, the husband and wife, and he filed for divorce. They even had one home that was located out of state. Um, so what he was able to do was he actually sold the property out from under his wife by falsely signing over a deed for a dollar. So he had some other individual sign her name, forge her name on the deed, so that he would own the property, and then he can do whatever he wanted with it. And the only way something like that can happen, generally, if he didn't have his wife's identification on him, is to simply have a friend that's a notary that'll do it for them, you know. Um, I haven't come across, personally, anyone in my area, in my classes, and I give them examples of things where things go bad, I haven't come across people personally, but people that have been reaching out to me, these things have been happening to them. So now the wife or the ex-wife is out the property that's worth probably $1.5, if not more, million dollars, and now she has to spend money on a lawyer and and uh, you know try to fight the case and try now, to prove that the, that's not her signature.
1: Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the notary be... Uh, culpable, uh, uh, an accessory to the fact, an accessory after the fact, to grand theft.
0: Absolutely. In that case, they certainly would be because they should have known um, that the person appearing before them was not the actual document signer because they wouldn't have had the wife's same last name unless they had a fraudulent ID. Um, The only way to combat that would be to have a journal, So if a notary has a journal, which is not required in New York State, but in other states it is, um, if they had a journal and they're verifying everything, they're documenting everything that comes before them for notarization, they're verifying the person who appeared before them, the identification that they used, the identification number, the type of document it was, they have the client sign their journal. Um, In some states, they even actually have a spot where they could be thumbprinted. The signer is thumbprinted right in the journal so that if anything ever does come into play where the documents found out it was fraudulent later on, a notary has a way to protect themselves and show the court, hey, this is who appeared before me. This is the document and identifying identification that they showed me. I had no idea. But generally, I can just tell you right now from me specific three cases alone, I know this was not the case. This is not the case of what had happened it was It was the notary trying to get over for their benefit for some reason or another, or doing a favor for a friend or a family member or a relative that this is how these things got through. okay There was another case where a husband and a wife owned property, right? The husband took out a business loan using his house as collateral without the wife's consent by forging her signature on the loan document again the notary was a friend now the husband defaults on the loan the house is in foreclosure and this is all without the wife's consent you know but now it's on the wife's shoulders to go and fight this because as far as the court is concerned they have documentation showing hey you signed over the house your wife signed it they have no idea of knowing that you didn't the wife didn't have any involvement you know and then from there the was perspective, one other, oh sure, God.
1: sorry. From the perspective of the um, notary, mm-hmm. and just to redeem myself, so listeners know that I do know the term I was uh, looking for before. Is there a statute of limitations?
0: Yes, there is a statute of limitations. You must know not on the for. theft,
1: on the improper notarization of a document.
0: Yeah, I believe when the conduct is found out. When it's found out, then I generally think it's approximately five years, I think, for criminal. Uh, But for New York State law, uh, on licensing law for notaries, they do expect you to know what a statute of limitations is in general, the general meaning of it, but they don't ask you specifically to know what the years and terms are. So, you know, uh, that's just based out of my own knowledge, but not nothing specifically that's in the New York State law. It's the licensing.
1: Understood. Now, I interrupted you. The third
0: oh, case yes, you sir, wanted to no tell us about. It. Yeah, so uh, there was another case um, where, and this is all within the past year, just mind you, um, a lawyer, and there was a co-conspirator, which was like a home health aide, and they they willed property, to the home health aide so that when the person she was caring for passed away, that she would be the beneficiary of its property, okay? Um, And then what wound up happening after the person passed, uh, she got the property, she wound up selling it and splitting the proceeds with the attorney. And uh, the family had this in court. They were fighting, you know, they were fighting it because... uh, you know, a new will was basically drafted without the knowledge of the family and, and, and the person was not of sound mind and body at the time this will was drafted. So, again, it's just another case of a tangled web that has to, unfortunately, lie upon the the victims here, that they have to go through the expense and the time of fighting the battle, you know. And that
1: one brings up bad memories for me of when I was... Working at a senior for a senior service provider mm-hmm. as a fundraiser, I wrote a grant for elder abuse, and that is an example of elder abuse.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. Now, yep. just a reminder: you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Tina Elardo from Notary Public Central Inc. We will, we're discussing the misuse of the notary public office and fraudulent documents. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Dina, you wrote in your application to be on the show that there is a trend of people losing their assets because of notarized fraudulent documents mm-hmm. now you've already given us some examples mm-hmm. so let me ask you what can you do if anything to protect yourself
0: Well as an individual um, or notary which one
1: as an indiv- well uh, at, at mm-hmm. the individual let's talk about the individual. About
0: yeah, so victims of fraud, basically, um, I would, you know, suggest that they uh, get legal counsel, of course, and sometimes even, like, you can go to the district attorney's office and, and uh, have a timeline of what transpired and, and give them a list of the documentation so that they can investigate it for you. That would be the best bet, but it definitely, you definitely have to get some type of legal counsel involved fighting the case.
1: Now, the three examples that you gave us were of, let's face it, crooked notaries. Mm -hmm. What if the notary is honest and is just, you know, the fraud is being committed against them, the notary? Right.
0: That's that's a great question. So basically, um, so the notary is really not responsible for the accuracy or legitimacy of the documents that they're notarizing, Right. We're just supposed to be like impartial witnesses. We're certifying the identity of the individuals appearing before us. Um, So the document signer is basically responsible for the statements and the contents that's prepared, Um, you know, and they'd be charged accordingly if it's discovered later on that it's false or fraudulent, all right, but it is for this reason that a notary is not permitted to draft documents for individuals, to advise them or have any involvement on what they're notarizing. They can't have an interest in it, okay? Um, So there's not really any actual liability when it's unknowingly a fraudulent document or a fraudulent individual, but there is something called errors and omissions insurance that sometimes notaries will take out just to protect themselves. Again, it's not required in New York State, but it gives them some form of protection. A notary having a journal, just these types of things will protect you, so that if anything ever is questioned you have a way to um, show to the court. I've actually been involved in a situation myself where um, I had notarized a prenuptial agreement for um, uh, two people and the years later the, the wife was claiming that she never came before me to have that prenuptial notarized. And thankfully I had a journal and I, was, I wasn't i was actually called into court. It didn't even go that far. I was called to the attorney's office to verify. And um, I specifically remember who it was, and I had it journalized, and it, it didn't even get that far. You know, once I showed the attorney my journal and everything, the journal entry, they knew, and, and they just let it be to rest.
1: So uh, the journal entry would have been something like uh, their driver's license, Yep. the number...
0: And their signature.
1: And their signature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With the date and time. And, yep, and, and
0: absolutely. What, what have exactly. you. Yeah. Because N- let's face when it, it, the notary is not going to remember mm-hmm. five years from now who no. they notarized for, but if you have that journal, you have a form of protection.
1: Absolutely. And I think the IRS, this I uh, was told once, has a similar um, process. For example, if you're being audited and you say you bought a, um, uh, you know, you, you, one of your receipts is for a taxi or mm-hmm. for the subway, and you say it was for business purposes, if you have your calendar and show that on that day you had an appointment, then right. they'll accept that as proof that that was a business related trip.
0: Wow. That's great.
1: So there's a, a, I guess the government has an assumption that you're not lying. Unless you're right. proven to be a liar,
0: exactly. If
1: that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, last question: How can notary? Well, you know, you've already answered the question. Notaries mm-hmm. can protect themselves by having a journal. Yep. Now, when should a a business owner use a notary? For example, I have executive recruiting clients, mm-hmm. meaning employers and they sign a contract. I don't get them to notarize that. Mm-hmm. With my career counseling clients, I don't even have a signed contract. The terms are all on my um, website. There's no there's no secret to what the terms are. When is it, would you advise an employer to have a contract signed? A business owner, to, excuse me, not an employer, a business mm-hmm. owner to have a contract signed.
0: Sign. Yeah, I would uh, do uh, no, it sign. I, I
1: Notarized. I'm yeah. sorry.
0: Notarized. I would have. Okay, so for a business owner, it's a little tricky because of the interest. If you're going to get some interest out of the situation, it's better off that you, if you're the one that's going to explain the contract to the individual employee, you would explain it to them, and then have someone else notarize it. This way, you, there's no, no I, interest involvement.
1: You misunderstood. I use myself as an example, but a a business owner could be anything, you know, anyone. What type of documents should a business owner have notarized besides those that are required by law to be notarized?
0: Oh, yeah. I would say basically any type of contract that you're going to um, contract in with somebody should be notarized. There's so many different types of documents. Anything where you want it to be um, totally legitimate where someone, if they renege on that contract, it's not only a breach of contract, but then you have the whole issue of having they had it notarized. You know, There could be issues of perjury if they lie to a notary under oath. There's other charges that could be brought up on them. So it makes it more serious and and. And you're able to, I guess, fight it in a court of law a little bit better when, it, when things are sealed with notarization.
1: So it's basically when you don't want the person to say they never signed it.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Because, for example, with a, one of my contracts, mm-hmm. if I'm sending them resumes, that's kind of proof that they actually signed the contract. Mm-hmm. Or if an employee signs a contract, well, Employees don't get contracts, but a um, an agreement of employment. Then, um, when they start work, it's kind of evident that they actually signed and agreed to the terms of the employment. Yeah, I gotcha, Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. before I let you go, mm-hmm. tell us what's the best way. Tell our listeners what's the best way to get in touch.
0: Oh, sure. Um, people could either contact me by phone. My telephone number is five one six. 426 or they could always contact me by email through my website notarypubliccentral.com or my email is notary at notarypubliccentral.com
1: And Dina, I thank you very much. you provided us with a lot of information that I'm sure is going to be very helpful to our listeners.
0: Terrific. Thank you, Bruce. It was great being on your show. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. And as always, a Sincere thank you to our listeners, and I am certain Dina joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week.